Welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast. If you love tennis and want to improve your game, this podcast is for you. Whether it's technique, strategy, equipment, or the mental game, tennis professional Ian Westerman is here to make you a better player. And now, here's Ian. Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, experts, tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Tennis Express. Please check them out this week by going to EssentialTennis.com slash Express. Thank you very much for joining me on today's episode. We have a really good topic. The entire show is going to be dedicated to being a better serve and volley or return and volley player. So really good stuff. Again, the entire show is going to be dedicated to that. And this is actually a rebroadcast. The reason for that is, and I'm actually recording this on Saturday night, it's it's almost 9.30 p.m. Central Time here on Saturday the 13th. Tomorrow I'm going to be driving all day from Wisconsin to Cincinnati. And then Monday through Thursday of next week, I'm going to be spending all day, and I'm, I'm expecting to probably spend 10 or 12 hours per day out at the Cincinnati event, the Western Southern Open, both WTA TA and ATP tour events, and I'm going to be doing a lot of filming on the practice courts. So as I mentioned last week, if you're going to be there, please let me know. I'd, I'd love to meet up with some of you guys, and I've already received emails from quite a few people. Really looking forward to, to meeting some of the listeners of the podcast. Just send me an email to ian, I-A-N, at essentialtennis.com. And I really look forward to sharing that footage with all of you when I start putting it out on the Essential Tennis YouTube channel. It's going to be really, really cool stuff. So with that, let's go ahead and get to today's show. Sit back, relax, and get ready for some great tennis instruction. All right, let's get started with today's show. And I'd like to kick things off by just saying that I really think that you all listening are going to get a great deal out of today's podcast. We've got an excellent question here that Sally has written in with, and I've really taken a lot of time to outline this topic, and it's going to be very comprehensive. We're going to be going over a lot of things in detail, so if you're smart, you're going to get out your pencil and paper and and notepad or, or something and take some notes here as I go through this podcast, if you have the opportunity to, obviously, if you're driving and listening to this, I do not recommend that <laughs> whatsoever. But if you, have the ch- if you have the chance, take some notes here. Now, today's topic is going to be all about coming to the net after a serve or after a return of serve. And I'm going to read through most of Sally's question here and give you guys an idea of what she's getting at. So her, she has two parts. And the first part was, how do I be balanced on the on the transition between serving and getting into the box? The 40-yard line where we hit that first volley or half volley is the hardest part for me to feel balanced, especially with my backhand. I think I serve and run in goofy, and I'm not sure when to stop or what shot to expect. Last night in my match, I remember serving, and then my first few steps were kind of swervy with my feet close together. I know what you're thinking. I run like a girl. Okay, okay. No, I wasn't thinking that, Sally. <laughs> she continues and says, but I specifically need need help on how I should run and step after my serve to be in balance and be in good court position so I can judge and decide about that first volley or half volley. 
should I run in kind of being kind of low, like a big ape? I know that sounds funny, but seriously, should I run in low with a wider stance? And then the second part of her question was, also, can we talk specifically about the backhand half volley? And yes, we're going to get to that, Sally. And I'll tell you guys ahead of time what our outline is going to look like today. We've got four different sections that I'm going to cover in answering Sally's questions. And this question was posted in the forums at EssentialTennis.com, and there was actually a good discussion back and forth. This was posted a while ago. Uh, This was posted originally back in July, and there was conversation back and forth. We had input from other people and some other follow-up questions, too, one from Howard. Uh, So we're going to get to a lot of these topics having to do with balance, with a split step, with serving and volleying, and we're going to talk about the half volley as well. And we're going to do this in four main sections. I'm first going to talk about why the serve and volley or return and volley is the best strategy in doubles. Number two, I'm going to talk about balance while moving into the net, and that's really going to be the, the biggest section here. Number three, I'm going to talk about the technique of the half volley, how to hit a half volley correctly. And lastly, we're going to put it all together, and I'll have some finishing thoughts. So those are the four main sections of today's podcast for you guys following along at home. All right, so let's go ahead and get started with the first section in Essential Tennis Podcast number 90. And that first section is going to be why the serve and volley or return and volley is the best strategy in doubles. And I want to start off with this today before we talk about specific things having to do with the split step and hitting that first volley or half volley because I just want you guys to understand that it really is a good play. And there's three main reasons why the serve and volley or return and volley is, in my opinion, the best play, the the best overall strategy that you guys can try to implement in your doubles play. First of all, it hurries and pressures your opponents. The sooner you get to the net, And the faster you get to the net, the less amount of time that your opponents have to react to your subsequent shots. And I see a lot of times players that are an average level of play will sit back at the baseline because they're more comfortable there. And, you know, I understand that. You want to be comfortable when you play. But on the practice court, you guys should be practicing moving forwards quickly and right away. And the serve and volley or return and volley is really the best way to do that. Secondly, it puts you in an offensive position rather than defensive. When you sit back at the baseline, you're in a defensive position almost just by definition because you're far away from your opponent's side of the courts and you're far away from your opponents, relatively speaking. The person who's up at the net has the offensive advantage because they're close and they get to put pressure immediately on their opponents as opposed to hitting a ground stroke or a lob back from the baseline where your opponents have much more time to react, which we talked about in the first one. Thirdly, my my third reason why, in my opinion, serve and volley or return and volley is the best strategy in doubles is because it's just playing fun. (laughs) And I I enjoy serving and volleying so much. There's just so much action. And and immediately you're kind of thrown into the, the thick of things and you have to be able to react very quickly, and there's just a lot of action, and I enjoy that a great deal. It's so much fun. I I can't imagine playing doubles and staying back every time. Once in a while, you have to do that strategically when your opponents are really 
you know, really beating you up up at the net. Once in a while, it is smart to stay back. But in general, serving in volume or returning in volume is just a lot of fun to do. You get right into the middle of the action right away. Now, if you don't do it correctly, it can hurt you just as much as it could possibly help. So we are going to talk about next how to correctly move forwards. And it's going to be really the bulk of today's show. It takes away your own time when you don't do it correctly. And it puts you off balance. And the combination of those two things gives your opponents the, inv- the advantage instead of giving it to you, which was the whole idea of serving vine in the first place. Moving on to part two of today's podcast, we're going to talk about actually using the split step and how to move forwards into the net in balance and not being out of balance and crazy and just not being able to make very good shots as you get approached with that first shot from your opponents after your serve or your return of serve. Now, first of all, I'd like to tell you guys the three most common mistakes that people make to lose their balance while they're moving forwards to the net. And listen to this and and try to figure out if if one of these is your biggest problem. The, The three biggest ways that people screw up when they serve in volley or return in volley are, first of all, not split stepping at all and running right through the shot. It's a big mistake, and this is probably the number one mistake that I see doubles players make, is they will hit that serve or that return, and they have the right idea. They start moving forwards, they try to get to the net, but on their way up there, they don't ever balance themselves. They just continue to run forwards towards the net, and if the ball is hit either to their right or to, or to their left or at their feet, or if they get lobbed and the ball gets hit over them, no matter what happens, they're going to be in trouble because they're in the process of actually striding and running and trying to get to the net. And they're not prepared to move to the right or to the left or forwards in balance or definitely not backwards because they're running forwards. And this is a big, big mistake, a very common mistake. That's the first one. The second common mistake that I see is people split step, but it's either early or late. And we're going to talk about the timing pretty soon. But they'll either split step too soon and they waste time that they could be using and getting forwards up to the net, or they split step late. The ball is already on their way to them. And again, they have the right idea. They've moved forwards. They did split step, but the ball is already on its way. And so they don't have very much time to actually react because the split step has happened too late after contact has already been made. And the third most common mistake that people make to lose their balance while moving forwards is they split step at the right time, but their feet then get frozen. They make a good split step. It's even at the right time. However, they just stand there and let the ball come to them. So those are the three most common mistakes that that I definitely see as people are playing doubles or even singles and serving in volume or returning in volume and coming forwards. Now let's talk about how to do this correctly. And this is where it really, the details are very, very important here, guys. And I've split this up into a six-step process. And you might be saying to yourself, well, six steps, that's a lot. That's going to be a lot to remember. That's going to be difficult for me to implement into my game. And you're right. (laughs) This is not an easy thing to do well. It's not easy at all. And I'm not expecting you guys to listen to this podcast and to go out to a doubles match tomorrow and do all of this correctly. 
I don't expect that at all. And you shouldn't either. Don't just because you listen to this show and you understand what I'm telling you, don't think that tomorrow you're going to go out and do this perfectly. This is going to take some time. It's really going to take some intentionality on your part on the practice court. It's going to take repetition before all of these things start to happen automatically. It's very possible it will take you quite a bit of time to be able to actually practice this enough that it becomes part of your game, enough that you can actually do it during match play. So with with that being said, let's go forwards, and you guys are going to get to learn how to do this correctly. And again, there's, there's six steps here. First of all, finish your serve or your return of serve first. And here's what I mean by that. Oftentimes, I see players hit their serve or their return of serve, and before the point even started, they knew, you know, they had the idea, all right, I'm going to I'm going to hit this first shot, and I'm going to immediately go into the net. And so they've got that in the back of their mind, and they rush themselves. Before their serve is even done or their return is even finished, they're already uh, starting to move their feet. They're already trying to get into the process of moving forwards quickly. And as a result, the, re- the serve or the return of serve is a poor shot or it's a missed shot, and they get too far ahead of themselves. And those of you who watch NFL football, American football, you guys see this all the time in football where a receiver has the ball coming right to them and start running down the field before they even catch the ball. And so they, they kind of have their priorities mixed up. You need to make the first play first and then move to the second one. Don't start running before you hit the ball. Make sure that you hit a good shot first. So that's step number one. Make sure that you hit your first shot before you start running forwards. Step number two, know your plan of getting to the net and commit to it. And what I mean by that is basically the opposite of step number one. I very oftentimes see people hit their serve or hit their return and stand there and watch it and and try to figure out, all right, exactly how good of a serve did I just hit there? And they'll try to evaluate and figure out exactly what's happening before they start moving forwards. But that's a mistake too. That's basically the opposite mistake is the first one. This person is wasting valuable time and is sitting back there on the baseline when they could be moving forwards. So don't make that mistake either. You need to finish your return or your return of, I'm sorry, you need to finish your return of serve or your serve, and then don't hesitate or watch your shot move. Start moving immediately. That's step number two. Step number three, move initially in whichever way you think is fastest for you. And Sally was describing several different ways that she could possibly be moving forwards and some of them sounded more awkward than others. You need to move in whichever way is natural for you, in whichever way you can move the most athletically towards the net. I personally finish my my serve or my return of serve, and I've got a very long stride. I've got long legs, and I, I immediately stride out and take two to three steps or so, full steps, before I actually make my split step. But I do this right away, and I do it quickly, and it's what's most comfortable to me. And you guys all, everybody's got you know different bodies. Everybody moves a little bit differently. And so you need to use what's most comfortable for you, whatever you can use that's the fastest possible. We want to finish that serve or that return of serve and get in as quickly as you can. So keep that in mind and move in whichever way is most comfortable for you. That's number three. Now, number four, and this is really the most important part of this six-step sequence of things that you guys need to do in order to move forwards and do it successfully. 
Step number four is make your balancing move before your opponent makes contact with the ball, achieving a balanced stance and weight as they hit the ball. It's the timing that's really most important here, guys. You don't want to split step early and waste time that you could be using to move forwards to the net. You don't want to split step late either because the ball's already on its way to you before you split step and you're going to get rushed after your split step. The ball's going to be right on top of you after finishing your split step. So the timing here is extremely important. You want to initiate that split step or whichever other move you want to use, and we'll get to that in a second. But you want to initiate your split step right before your opponent makes contact with the ball. And in order to do this effectively, you need to be watching your opponent and when they start to swing. Whenever they start to swing and the racket starts moving forwards towards the ball, that's when you want to start your split step. And ideally, you want to be in that balanced position that a split step is supposed to put you in as they make contact so that we're making the best use of our time. We're moving forwards for as long as possible, right up until they hit, right when they hit, we're split-stepping, we're balanced, great, and now we have the most amount of time possible after they hit to be able to move towards the ball. So the timing here is very, very important. You want to move forwards as far and as fast as possible, but not past the point of when they make contact. You want to split-step and land in that split-step as they make contact. Now, you can use whatever split step type move you want. And there's a lot of different terminology out there and different types of steps you could use. And examples of those would be a staggered split step. And that means the right or left foot landing first and the other foot landing second. You can use a regular split step, which is kind of more of a, I guess, more of a hop and landing on both feet at the same time. You can use a shuffle step, meaning both of your feet kind of shuffle and, and bring your momentum to a balanced, not necessarily a stop, but you're, you're balancing and, and, and holding your momentum and getting yourself balanced so that you're in a good ready position. That's a shuffle step. And to do that, you, you make a bunch of little steps with both feet. And you can use a break step also, which my buddy Royce was talking about in a previous podcast. I don't care which of those you guys use, which type of split step or balancing step you guys use is not essential. The essential part is the timing of it and doing it at the right time and in doing it correctly. It's all about the timing. So that's step number four. Step number five is now identify your opponent's shot and immediately move towards the direction of the ball, whether it's forwards for a short ball or a weak shot to the right or to the left if your opponent hits out wide or down the middle or back if your opponent lobs. After you've gathered yourself in your split step, which was step number four, Identify quickly where the ball is going and move right away towards the ball. Don't stand there and let the ball come to you. You want to initiate and move towards the ball. Go intercept it, whichever direction that happens to be. That's the point of the split step, to be able to allow you to move in any direction possible. And step number six, the last step, after hitting that shot, start over again. (laughs) Start the process again at step number two, which is, knowing your plan, okay, now I want to move back forwards towards the net, and then go to step three, four, and five again. And so you repeat this process every time that you hit the ball back to your opponent's side. So real briefly here, step one, finish your serve or return of serve first. Step two, know your plan of getting to the net and commit to it. Move right away as soon as you're finished with your with your first shot. Step three, move 
initially, whatever way is fastest for you, whatever way is most natural, most athletic for you to move forwards, move that way. Number four, make your balancing move as your opponent makes contact. You want to get yourself balanced as they make contact with the ball. It's all about the timing. Step five, identify your opponent's shot and immediately move out of your split step, out of your balanced position, immediately move towards the ball after you identify where it's going. And step six, start the process all over again. So that's your six-step process for correctly moving forwards, for using your feet correctly as you move forwards towards the net. Hopefully that makes sense. And that should really pretty much cover everything. That's pretty comprehensive. Next up, we're going to be talking about the technique of a half volley. All right, let's next talk about the actual technique of hitting that that half volley. So after you guys have hit your serve or your return of serve, you've you you have moved forwards correctly and quickly. You've split stepped at the right time and gotten yourself in balance. Now you've got to actually be able to hit that first shot. And it could be a volley or a half volley, but definitely the shot that gives players the most amount of trouble is a half volley. And Sally requested that I talk about it. So I'm going to tell you guys what I feel is the best technique to use for this shot. And there's there's really two main ways of hitting this shot, in my view. There's a more simple way of doing it and another one that's more advanced. And Sally is a, a 4.5 player, so I definitely recommended to her the slightly more advanced way of doing it. And I'll explain both of them to you guys. The simple way, the simple technique of hitting a half volley is really just like hitting a regular volley. You should make contact with the shot with an open racket face. The actual path of the racket or the, the, the swing of the shot should be short and compact, very controlled, and you want to direct the ball towards your target. So it should be very, very simple. You should not be trying to hit the shot back with Lower to average level tennis players, and we'll say any any player on on up through like a 3.5 level, the most common reason why a half volley is missed is by just missing it completely. And I'm talking about like the ball comes down at their feet, they're rushing into the net, they're trying to serve in volley, and it just passes them right by. They're not ready for the shot. Well, hopefully the, the split step will take care of that one. The second most common reason why these level players miss half follies is because the ball just hits off their frame. They're trying to do too much with the actual swing of the, sh- the swing of the shot. They're trying to hit it too much, and they end up miss hitting the shot or or hitting it somewhere where they didn't want it to go because they're just trying to do too much. They're kind of panicking and throwing the racket at the ball, and it's bouncing right in front of them, and it's just difficult to make the shot that way. So if you are a 3.5 level player or below, I strongly encourage you to keep it very simple. Put the racket down there, open the face, make sure you make contact, and just block it over. You might end up popping up a couple at first too much, a little bit higher than you wanted, but let me ask you, which is better? Missing the shot into the net because you shanked it or popping it up and giving your opponents an easy shot? I know the more competitive of you hate the idea of giving your opponents an easy shot, and I'm not suggesting that that's the way you hit this shot, but it's going to happen once in a while. Fine, 
pop it up, give it to them. Don't miss it into the net because you're not hitting the middle of your racket. It happens all the time with average level tennis players. And you're going to keep the ball from popping up by adjusting your racket face slightly. If it goes too high, close it a little more, but contact should usually be made with an open face. Now, the more advanced way of doing this is more like a mini ground stroke. And that is, you should be making contact with a flat racket face instead of slightly open. And contact is made with the racket lifting upwards to clear the ball over the top of the net. This results in a more competitive shot. You're able to hit you're able to hit the ball a little bit more aggressively, a little bit firmer, and keep it a little bit lower. But it's a little bit tougher to time because we're trying to lift the ball up with an upward swing. And this should still be compact. We're still not trying to actually impart topspin on the ball. However, it's definitely more of a swing, quote unquote, than the the simple way of doing it, which is just opening the face and blocking it back. And I suggested this for Sally because she's above a 4.0 level. Once you guys get up to that level, you'll need competitive advantages in shots like this. And so if you're above a 4.0 level, I suggest that you try to learn how to hit a half volley this way with a, a flat racket face and a little bit more of a lift with the racket and directing the ball just over the top of the net to keep it low and keep it competitive to your opponents. So technique-wise, those are the two main ways that you guys can hit these two, the, that you can hit this shot, the half volley. Keep it simple, no matter which way you're doing it. Make sure you make good contact. And we're just trying to keep this ball back in play towards whoever's farther away from you. And we're trying to keep it low so that we can stay in the point and hopefully get closer and put the ball away as the point progresses. All right. I'd like to now wrap things up by finishing with some closing thoughts having to do with serving and volleying and the half volley and the split step, etc. So I have just three quick finishing thoughts here having to do with those topics. First of all, understand that there's a big misconception among many doubles players that when you hit a half volley, it was a bad choice or it was a poor shot because there's kind of an attitude that a lot of tennis pros a lot of tennis pros teach doubles with, and that is anytime the ball drops to your feet, you screwed up. And usually it's a comment like, oh, you didn't close in close enough. The ball was at your feet. You didn't get into the net fast enough. That's a fallacy. When you play doubles, you're going to get half volleys. You're going to get shots that get hit to your feet. It's just part of the game. Yes, I do want you to close forwards. I do want you to get close to the net. But anytime you play doubles, you're going to get shots that are down at your feet, regardless of your position or, or how fast you are. It doesn't mean that it was poor shot selection. It's just part of the game. So please understand that, first of all. Secondly, if you move into the net without split-stepping, you can get closer to the net, and you can avoid some half volleys, but it will be at the expense of your balance. Please understand that. I would much rather that you split-step and hit a half volley in your doubles points and be under control and balanced than rush in and hit a volley without very much balance. And those are very often the two choices that you're presented with in your doubles play. You have the choice of either getting in faster and closer and probably hitting more volleys but being under less balance or using a split step, being under more balance and probably hitting a couple more half volleys. You're going to be better off with the split step and learning how to hit a good half volley and being in balance instead of constantly rushing yourself 
and being off balance as you try to hit volleys or half volleys or overheads or whatever. When you split step correctly, you make all of those shots easier. So that's number two. Number three, after missing a half volley or a volley, after doing this serve and volley process and starting to move forwards up to the net, don't give up on that strategy just because you miss a couple. And this is really important, guys. I, I want you all to get more comfortable serving and volleying and returning and volleying. So don't wait for a shot or two for the point to develop. Wait, when you miss a volley or a half volley, don't sit back there at the baseline and give up on the strategy and say, oh, I'll just wait for a couple of shots and see how things develop. And when I get a short ball, I'll come forwards then and I'll, then I'll get up to the net. Well, I'd rather you get in there and keep pressuring your opponents. When you wait back on the baseline, you're giving your opponents the first chance to get up to the net. And that's something that we don't want to give away if we don't have to. So let me encourage you guys to keep going with this strategy, whether it be in a, in a just practice environment or in an actual competitive match. Keep the pressure on. Now, obviously, on the other hand, I want you guys to be smart. Don't stick with a losing strategy. If you're getting beat by going up to the net again and again and again, don't stick with it. And so there's a, there's a certain point where, yes, it is smart to stay back. Don't continue to get lobbed or don't continue to get passed or, or beat at the net. When you're in an actual competitive match, you've got to switch things up sometimes. So I'm not, I'm not suggesting that you always stick with the strategy no matter what because that would not be smart. There, there's going to be times for every type of strategy depending on the situation. However, very often players get held back because they don't ever get comfortable serving and volleying, and they don't ever get good at how to do it correctly. So I don't want you guys to stay back and sacrifice being good at this type of doubles play. I do want you guys to get better at this. So at the very first sign of trouble, don't head for the hills and stay back. Stick with it for a while. Give it a good, give it a good chance, especially in practice. Keep practicing this. does it for episode number 183 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Thank you very much for joining me for this episode. Even though it is a replay, I, I try to pick ones that are some of my favorites. I, I love serve and volley, and so I thought this was a great topic to, to bring back, even though it's a rather old show, <laughs> uh, but still really good information. Before we wrap up today's episode, I would just like to read quickly two comments that were left on last week's episode about keeping a poker face. And by the way, I, I just want to thank everybody that did leave comments and feedback and, and questions about last week's show. It was obviously a, a topic that resonated with people, and I always love getting feedback. So thank you to all of you that took the time to, to leave me some thoughts and feedback. I just want to read two real quickly. And both of these, I thought, were kind of good examples of different ways that we can deal with having problems, deal with adversity on the court during matches. That's what last week's topic was all about. And if you haven't heard it, go listen to episode number 182. So first of all, from Don, I play really well under two conditions. First, when I'm, when I'm paying no attention. One of my best table tennis matches I ever played, I had a sore back. I was concentrating so hard on avoiding pain, I played ridiculously well. The other method I use to play my best is to focus exclusively on my opponents. I try to study my opponent just as I would a math or philosophy book. If you become so involved in strategy and tactics 
that I do not have either the time or inclination to get mad at myself, then I play my best. Yeah, done. Good stuff. And then I'm just going to go real quickly right right ahead over uh, to Mark here. Another different method of dealing with frustration. Mark says, instead of holding in or containing frustration, I try to just visualize that frustration is a chemical on my body that is sprayed into the air and it just evaporates away. Then the discipline is to focus the mind on what happened and what I should have done with that shot instead. At this point, it is not frustration with what I did, but it is more like observing from the outside and then visualize what needs to be done to make the shot next time. Yeah, I, I, and I picked these two comments out to quickly talk about because I just thought that they illustrated really well just the different approaches that people can have. And that was kind of one of the points that I made in last week's show was that, you know, while we all kind of think as, we all kind of consider those players that we see that show no emotion at all as being like the best way. And I, and I said last week that, you know, if it's possible for you, I do believe that's the best way to go. It's just not the personality of everybody. And in fact, it's not the personality of most people to show absolutely no emotion out there and keep t- everything totally inside. So I, th- I just think it's cool to, to read through those comments and see the various different ways that people deal with adversity on the courts. And hopefully the suggestions that I gave were helpful to those of you that heard the show and it seemed like it was based on the comments that I received. So thank you all very much again for your comments. Really appreciate it. And if you have any thoughts, comments, or questions about today's episode, the rerun of Podcast 90 about how to serve in volley, please let me know. Just go to EssentialTennis.com slash podcast, click on episode number 183, and let me know your thoughts, and I'll be happy to reply. Thanks very much for listening. Take care, and good luck with your tennis. Tennis.